0: blog talk radio good morning out there in blog talk radio land and those of you over at itunes and 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 rainbow just rainbow souls so many ways to tune in to off the shelf you can come in through the chat room you can dial in you can so many different apps you can catch us at uh Hear it off the shelf. And I want to tell you that there is still time, my friend, for you to tell your book lovers, friends, family members, or anybody dealing with a topic today, ADD or ADHD, they can dial in at 347 994 3490. Again, that's 347 994 3490. We have an awesome guest on deck for you. Every show is such a blessing. So I want to thank all. Our listeners, loyal listeners who've been with us for 14 years, Off the Shelf has been on the air for 14 years now. And for those just tuning in, yes, you are absolutely listening to the Winning Book Radio Show, Off the Shelf. And welcome to this Saturday, September the 7th. We ha- Again, we have a wonderful, talented author on deck for you this morning. But before we introduce her to you, I want to drop this quote from George Herbert, And in your thoughts today Do not wait The time will never be just right Start where you stand And work with whatever tools You may have at your command And better tools Mm -hmm. will be found As you go along Before we introduce our guests Remember that thought from George Herbert My friends And also here's a question for you How good of a mystery sleuth are you? Do you think you can figure out, and I'm thinking as the author that I'm guessing no, but you might be that good that you can figure out who's responsible for the murder mystery that cloaks Raymond and his friend's life and love for over me. I also have another question for you. How much do you value relationships and love? How long would you wait to experience a a once-in-a-lifetime Romance. I mean, a relationship that can help you to awaken and take you into higher and higher levels of living. Do you think you it would be if you had to wait? If you value family relationships, friendships, and you like a good murder mystery, I encourage you to stop what you're doing and get a copy of Love for Over Me. Now it's available so many places: ebook at Barnes and Noble. Chisto. dot com, C H I S T E L L. dot com, and Amazon. You can get it in ebook or in print. You can also get it from a library. So please get a copy of Love Pulver Me by Denise Turney today, and let me know how you enjoyed the book. Drum roll! And now let us go and meet our very special off the shelf guest. And our special guest this morning is Missy Hood. Missy is a Texas State University graduate. She earned a Master of Arts in Interdisciplinary Studies. She is also the author of the book Memoirs of an ADHD Mind. Missy is a public speaker, personal coach, and teacher. She uses lessons that she learned firsthand, not from reading the book, but lessons she learned firsthand in living in freedom and victory during her speaking, teaching, and coaching sessions. She is a remarkable woman who overcame in part because she refused to give up on herself. She would love to encourage you to do the same whether you have an ADD or ADHD brain or not. Please visit Missy Hood online at, she made it so easy, com M-I-S-S-Y-H-O-O-D. M-I-S-S-Y-H-O-O-D, missyhood.com. You can hop over there now, even as you listen to today's show. And we're so delighted to have Missy with us this morning. Welcome to Off the Shelf, Missy. Hey, Denise, thank you so much for having me today. Really it is to a talk. blessing. Go ahead, I'm it sorry. Is a no, 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 no. It is a blessing. We are so looking forward to what you share this morning. Just to let you know, the first few questions I ask every single guest because our listeners like to get a little backstory on the guest before I start talking about their books and specific things they've done. So to kick it off, Missy, could you please tell off the shelf listeners where you grew up and what life was like for you growing up? Well, I grew up
1: in the central Texas area. I'm from, I'm about 20 miles outside of Austin, Texas. And my life growing up was pretty simplistic. I was, I'm a military kid. My father was military. um, And I basically was just kind of a tomboy country kid growing up. But the, the diagnosis or the condition of ADD, ADHD hadn't been diagnosed when I was growing up, but it was hidden because of my dad's military structure and background in the way that structure helped me to learn. So as long as I had structure around me, I could I could somewhat advance. I didn't really accelerate. I just kind of got by. And so the it kind of masked the condition. And so my father passed away. I passed forward. My father passed away when I was 22. And that's really, really when the condition was exacerbated and was really highlighted as far as my noticing it. And so I'd already attempted to go to college twice. I'd failed out, and I didn't understand why I was experiencing what I was experiencing in the learning environments in the classroom. And I couldn't sit, I, I couldn't focus, and I was struggling in my jobs. Um, I was also struggling to keep a job at that time. I'd lost at the end of the uh, the experience. I lost 40 jobs in 15 years because of the condition, and I just. I just got to this kind of coming to the end of yourself, you know, and I sat in the parking lot one day and I asked the Lord, I was like, you know, God, either you're who you say you are or you're the biggest liar that ever lived because I there's just gotta be a way to overcome this. I don't even know what I'm going through. So fast forward I ended up getting diagnosed, doors started opening to answers that I needed for long awaited questions. And I started trying to attack the hard things again that I'd been so fearful of, like going back to school or trying to go into higher education and thinking that I could never do it or because I thought I was too stupid. And so that one thing led to another. I ended up finishing my B.A. in 96. It took me another 15 years to get the courage to go back. I got my master's in 2013. And then after all the odds were stacked against me, I thought, you know, why stop there? And I just completed my Ed.D. Um, in 2018. So here I am.
0: Oh, congratulations.
1: Thank you. Thank you. It's been a long road.
0: <laughs> you know That's what's interesting? Funny. So up until you were 22, you didn't even, there was nothing that you didn't, feel, like you never thought, what you didn't feel different or like something was going on? You said the structure, you never felt that anything was going well,
1: I did, actually. I did in classroom settings in high school because I really struggled. And I just, I didn't really know what to think about it. I just know that for the average or the normal learner, people could study one or two hours for a class test or whatever, and I would end up spending three days studying for a test, which is ludicrous. But that was just the way my brain processed information. And I would later find out, you know, most people, um, average, normal learners. I'm going to say normal. I'm not going to call them abnormal. But average learners learn through audio learning only. That's the only one they need. They can learn just by listening. Whereas an ADD, ADHD person needs visual, hands-on, repetition, audio learning. They need them all. All those, all those types of components within the learning classroom in order for us to accelerate. And so. I didn't start recognizing those patterns until I was in college, and that's when I started realizing how I learned and when I accelerated and when I didn't.
0: You know what's interesting? When I was in school, I I never heard of dyslexia. I never heard of ADD or ADHD, autism, Asperger's. I never heard of any of that when I was a kid. And my heart goes out to people who... I've heard of like a few celebrities, I think Tom Cruise was one, and maybe Cher who had, they struggled with dyslexia. And then ADD, ADHD, how many people had it? Nobody knew about it. And my heart goes out to kids in school, they're struggling to just keep up and learn. And nobody, the teacher just assumes their brain is functioning like everybody else's. I can only imagine how that problem could compound, especially when you go home and your parents are like, What's wrong with you? I got them you can't get this and you just mm-hmm. like you said, it's just your brain is functioning differently. Before we go uh deeper into like the A D, H D and A D D, uh, and your book, cause what did you when you were a child though, what did you dream of becoming? When you were a kid, did you what did you say, When I grew up I wanna be
1: Um, you know? can't <laughs> yeah, think it's crazy. Um, I wanted to go to Hollywood I wanted to be a movie star But I thought I thought I did Well, that's interesting too Because sometimes we can think Our our passions are of God and, And that's the direction we should be walking in And you don't find out what your true passions And true desires are until later When God really reveals the truest desires Of your heart that he put in there And so that's been the pathway that I've been on And Because God let me do that he let me go, and I mean, I wanted to go to Paris. I wanted to do all these things and and design for big names, and he let me do it all. He let me do that and then one day I walked in on set because I was a theat- I got my b a in theatrical costuming designing in ninety six and I've worked for universal studios i've worked on i've worked on and I'm not trying to name drop I'm just telling you the caliper, but he let me walk into. I've worked with Channing Tatum. I've worked with Ryan Philippe. I've worked with Darren Hines, Mimi Rogers, all those stars, A-list actors. And I walked in on set one day, and I thought, I'm supposed to love this. Why am I not loving this? I I hate this job. And God told me that day, he said, you know, Missy, I've let you do everything you wanted to do. Now I want you to seek me, and I want to show you what I really called you to do. And that's really when my adventure began.
0: Wow. Who, who what inspired your, uh, you to pursue writing? You've, you've written a book. What inspired you to pursue writing and what birthed your love for books? You know, I didn't even
1: know I really loved to write. I would always journal, and I would always write down my thoughts. I kept a journal, and I would always, you know how you write notes back and forth in high school with your friends? I did stuff like goofy stuff like that, but my creative abilities came out in my writing when I was in college, and I started realizing that I had a gift of storytelling and encouraging people. <clears throat> and when I initially wrote my book, I initially wrote memoirs to get the hurt out of everything I'd gone through, just everything. I just wanted—I didn't even plan on writing a book, to be honest with you. I just wrote it, my thoughts down, and then one thing led to another, and the, Lord, and the Lord just started developing the chapters. And it ended up being the book that it was because I started realizing, wow, this is how much God's brought me through. And I saw the shift in my life when I started overcoming and accelerating. And I thought, this is, this is wild. This is God, you know. And so then I started realizing maybe this will help somebody else because maybe it's not all in vain, you know, everything I've gone through. And I think that's the, that's the truest found, I mean, that's the biggest part of our walks that God wants us to realize when we're walking through hardships. It's like, it's not in vain, it's not in vain. It's always with a purpose.
0: Wow, you know that's a good reminder uh, for me, and I'm sure uh, many other listeners. It's mm-hmm. not in vain because like if I go through all of this, it's okay. But if I go through it for nothing, then just time me out. <laughs> I don't want to yeah. want to go through it all <laughs> for nothing. But if it if it's for something or it blesses somebody else, or of course mm-hmm. you know if you, you you get back what you give, so it's gonna bless you too. Mm-hmm then it's, it's worth it. But if you're doing climbing up a mountain for nothing, it's like, okay, why am I doing this? Now, retire, retired NFL quarterback Terry Bradshaw, uh, Olympian swimmer Michael Phelps, uh, Justin Timberlake, Solange Nose, and gymnast Simone Biles. hope I'm saying her name right. They are just a few celebrities who have ADD or ADHD. The first one I learned about, of course, was Terry Bradshaw, then later I learned about Michael Phelps. But there are examples that you can you can live a successful life with mm-hmm. uh, with this. Or and or, or and some people who've had success have OCD as well. But I wanted mm-hmm. to ask you, you. Said you were you were an adult before you were diagnosed. But how did you deal with the diagnosis? Did you seek a second opinion? where you was it was that easy or hard to accept? Did you say, Oh no, oh no, and then go back and get a second mm-hmm. opinion?
1: Yeah, that was hard. It was hard. I actually had my best friend. <laughs> my best friend and I were sitting in a room with his family, and we were really close. We were always really close, like sisters. And she looked at me in points like one day, and she said, you know, Missy, maybe you have ADHD. And I said, maybe you need to shut up. <laughs> I, was like, I don't have that. <laughs> and, and it really, it, it really, it just kind of, it really bothered me. So I thought, golly, you know, why do you have to label me, kind of a thing, and, but I, I, I was really severely struggling, and I, I kind of trepidatiously went to the doctor, and it took me forever to do that, because I just didn't want to hear anything else bad about myself, i it's like, that's all I'd heard all my life from teachers, why can't you do this, and why can't you do that, and why can't you just be like everybody else, and, and it's like, I'm thinking, myself: why is there always something have to be wrong with me, why, and, and so when I heard that, that's why I reacted that way, but, I did actually get my my kind of reprieve when I went to the doctor, and he was really funny because I was sitting across from him, and he interrupts me. I'm telling him all this mess in my life, and he interrupts me, and he says, um, Are, have you ever taken a test on ADHD? And I, my heart just sunk, and I thought, oh, here we go. And I said, no, sir, I haven't. And he goes, I want you to take a test. And so I took it, came back, and within two seconds he said, Missy, he goes. You are struggling with severe ADHD because you have slight wow. dyslexia, and and I thought, oh gosh, you know, and so. But then he started giving me answers, and he put me on Adderall. He tried me on some different meds and stuff, and but that's really, really when things begin to change. It really, really was, and and that's a whole another topic because people don't believe in meds always, and and I eventually got off of meds to do it the natural way, and and there's a way to do it both ways. So yes, ma'am.
0: Okay Now when I Again um, When I was young I didn't hear those terms Uh, Again I don't know If the medical profession Just didn't see enough People Incidences of it Where they didn't know But ADD ADHD OCD I just didn't hear Hear it now According to the Centers For Disease Control And Prevention Approximately 6.1 million children uh, have, Have ever been diagnosed With ADHD So that's for a total of six point one million, that's a lot. Now the numbers yes. rose from four point four million in two thousand and three, so they went mm-hmm. up. So they rose from four point four million in two thousand and three to five point four million in two thousand and seven, up to wow. six point four million in two thousand and eleven. But two thousand and sixteen mm-hmm. saw a drop off, with the number going to um, from six point four million to six point. One million. What do you think caused the increase, and what do you think caused the 2016 decrease?
1: Oh my goodness, that leads into my second book called Fragmented, and, um, and I, that's why why you got me on the show. But you said it, so here we go. Let's go there. Um, a lot of hurting A lot of hurting people in the world right now. A lot of hurting people, and. I really, when I did my, um, and I'm not trying to get too scientific, but it does explain a lot of it. When I did my, um, gosh, my doctoral degree, when I completed that, um, I, I wrote about my whole. What do they call it? I forgot what it's even called. My master, it's not my master's thesis. What do they call it when you do a doctorate? I can't believe I forgot what I even did it. But
0: yeah, I was thinking thesis, um, but I'm not sure.
1: It's not deep, and in my head's focused on this. But anyway, I wrote about fragmented. I wrote about fragmented. And so, let me see on here. But fragmentation occurs when a heart has been so wounded. Um, it's been so wounded that it, it doesn't know how to put itself back together again. And it's like, I believe that the enemy of our soul, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, right? And so when he comes in, he's not going to come in brazenly where we understand how he's doing it. So what he's going to do is he's going to come in subtly on the side and he's, and he's going to send in people that we trust, people that we thought we could trust, or people that are close to us that can get to us, whether it's through work situations, romantic situations, friendship situations, to try to wound. So people start acting out of character because of the high-level activity or spiritual warfare going on, and they start acting and doing things that we would normally expect them to do. So they come in and they wound. So the enemy's main objective was to come in and wound over and over and over and over and over again to where there was no reprieve, no time to heal. I'm going somewhere with this. Um, and so what happened in the process of that, we have a society that hasn't been able to catch their breath between all the hurts. And so what happens when you've got a heart that's been wounded over and over again is that a heart becomes broken as well as the mind. And so it becomes shattered. So you lose your single eye of faith, your single eye of focus, and then people wonder why their prayers aren't getting answered. But it's because your faith is shard. The spectrum of light is not one eye beam. And so you have to start getting the healing of the mind we have the mind of christ like that which is in christ jesus and then you get your heart healed at the same time well that's where god works all things for the good of those who are in christ and so that deals with my second book fragmented and i know that's an in-depth explanation but it's really what's going on and i've talked about that i can't believe i don't remember what i did um uh, and i'm sorry because i'm focused on this topic but um but that's that's what I did in my doctoral program, as far as what I wrote on, and I got all kinds of flack on it because of talking about and bringing Christ into it. I had to fight for that one; totally fought all the way through it. But I, I was glad to so, completed it.
0: So, it, but the numbers are then the numbers are going down. They went down from uh, 2011 6.4 million to 6.1. Do you do you, do you uh, why do you think that? The, there's the, there's this decrease now is it is it Definitely. medication is it
1: i think it's educating teachers because i knew in my master's thesis i was talking uh to a lot of the professors there and i don't really think that the teaching world really knew how to approach it and so we started getting the teaching professional world tools that they needed to help heal, help us to where we can accelerate and advance, and then we still have the traumas going on, and people you know, the spiritual warfare is still going on, but they don't mix religion with state, and so you can't teach that in school, and so you still got both going on. But at least they're meeting in halfway, that's really what I believe.
0: Mm. So now, do our diets have a diet? Think... Go, yeah. Yes, ma'am. Strict diet.
1: I'm on a strict so do her, diet. But...
0: Based on your experience, though, do, would you do they play any role in these brain conditions?
1: I believe so, most definitely. Um, I believe that um, for for a season of my life, right after I got diagnosed, because I had such high anxiety and high stress, because stress kicks it's like it's the number one uh, thing that causes the condition to activate. And so my only way to alleviate the stress was to run and to exercise as well as what I ate. So I noticed, even though I didn't have any information about it, that whenever I would walk or exercise, I would start feeling better. It would relieve the stress. My brain wouldn't be on overload. And then when I really watched and ate really healthy, like I'm, I'm really into eating a lot of vegetables and low-fat and things like that, and – but. As long as I did that, as long as I maintained a very disciplined regimen, I did pretty, I did okay. I mean, I did okay, and I
0: started advancing. So I believe it does play a part in it. Interesting. That is mm-hmm. interesting. You know, they always tell you to pay attention to your body. I had a, uh, a guest on Off the Shelf years ago. She was a talent scout. Uh, she worked out of New York and California. But she said she was getting so sick, going all these different specialists, Her and her husband. Mm -hmm. She thought she wasn't gonna make it. She was Mm -hmm. gluten. She she couldn't eat wheat, but no none of her doctors could figure that out. But it's amazing how a food can literally cause you to feel like you're dying, and you take that Mm -hmm. out of your diet, and you're like, oh, I feel completely different. I I get those diets. They when they tell you diet is important. I often think, ah, you know, so it's, I don't really see so much in it, but I've heard people say it literally they changed their diet and every they said you won't believe how different I felt.
1: Absolutely. Um have you have you ever noticed like why you have you, have you ever questioned why you crave the foods you crave? Because your body knows what it needs. And so even with sweets, I mean you may think, "Well, oh, I don't need that." But, you know, every once in a while it's not bad as long as you do it within moderation, right? And so, but like with vegetables, I, I love vegetables. I love vegetables. I love lean meats and things like that. I really especially love fish and I love blueberries. Fish and, fish and fruits and vegetables, and which is really weird because most people really don't gravitate towards that. But I, I just, my body craves that kind of stuff. And so as long as I stay in line with that, I do really, really well. I have mental focus. I have, I keep, I hopefully try to keep my way down. I need to work on it a little bit better now, but I believe it does definitely work. Definitely.
0: Well, that's a good. That's a good to easy start in mm-hmm. the move forward. Uh, just watching how your body and your brain responds to what well, the mm-hmm. brain's a part of the body, but how it responds to what you're eating and drinking. Now, what are some mm-hmm. symptoms of? Uh, for listeners who might wonder, does a child have it, or a teacher who might listen to the show and wonder, mm-hmm. what are some symptoms of ADHD?
1: ADHD has the hyperactivity component, whereas ADD does not. Um, so you're going to notice, obviously, the child is uber hyper. They're all over the place all the time. Um, they may be impulsive. Um, I always tell parents, you know, if your child has coping skills coping ticks and quirks, like they may twitch or something like that. Some people have even tried to label that as um, Tourette's, but I don't believe that that is because um, everybody's got some type of coping, coping mechanism. And um, they may have a hard time finishing tasks or staying on task. They don't like to do hard things. They get overwhelmed easily. Um, and you may notice that your child, when stressed, kicks in around the child. That's why you try to keep them in stress-free environments, which is almost impossible at the same time. Um, But there's a stop-start process that kicks in, which causes distractions or causes the child to go on bunny trails, I say. And so what you do and what happens is that you need to teach the child um, how to alleviate the stress and how to focus in the middle of that so they they don't lose track or lose sight of what they're trying to accomplish.
0: Mm, so interesting.
1: There's, there's quite a few. There's quite a few, though.
0: Now, why did you again? You started writing. Uh, you just. You said you were just writing down different different things like journaling. Why did you mm-hmm. sh- decide to share your story in the book Memoirs of an ADHD Mind"?
1: <laughs> I didn't even think I'd get published. <laughs> I don't. Um. I, you know, I just wanted to help people. I guess. Um. I felt like after I finished writing it, that I thought, you know, maybe I'm not the only one struggling with this. You know, maybe this can be a benefit to other people. And so, like, again, you know, all I've ever wanted to do was help people. And so that was my my kind of a tool to maybe help other people. And then as I started sharing my story, I found out that, you know, I wasn't the only one struggling. There were other people that were struggling with the same things. And so that's kind of what led me down that road.
0: You know, it's amazing when we go through stuff, and we talked about this earlier, you often feel like I'm the only one going through this. And then when mm-hmm. you start talking about it, it's amazing how many people will tell you, I don't care what your issue is, you think you're the only one. And then when you share your story, you just find all these people coming out, so grateful that they have somebody to talk to because they're going through The very same thing Now can you give our off-the-shelf listeners An overview Of memoirs of an ADHD mind
1: Memoirs is basically I take you from start to finish Of my younger years Through uh, where I'm at today um, As far as what my ups and downs were The health issues that I've even struggled with From developing hypertension Because of hyperactivity I'm talking about you know, teaching people how to alleviate the symptoms of ADHD, and we give them uh, coping skills as far as how to, what they can implement when they're under stressful environments, and whether it's in school or at work or what have you, you know, everybody's got a coping tool. Everybody usually either develop it on your own or you you learn about them and so, it's so that you can implement them to stay on track. And so I teach them about things like that, and then I walk them through even relational issues and teaching them, you know, we're all a pearl. We're all a great pearl from the Lord. And we need to guard our hearts in some respects because a lot of people can really take advantage of people like us because of our own nativity and what we don't know. And so um, I just kind of talk about things like that and how to overcome. Also combine uh, the God component in there and walk them through about how to let God lead you in your journey. We're not alone in this. And and I thank God I'm not alone in this. I think I would have lost my mind had I been because it was so stressful at the beginning. And so I I just I'm so grateful for it now that I'm on this side of it, and I see how far God has brought me. But that's what I that's what I try to incorporate into the book.
0: <clears throat> yes, ma'am. Now, how, how did you use your faith in God, uh, Missy, to deal with? How did you use faith? Did you meditate? Did you do look at certain scriptures a day? How did you use faith in God to help deal with and overcome ADHD? Well,
1: I've, I've been a Christian since, or i tried to be a Christian since I was eight years old. And the one thing I, I've always known about God was that he was good. God is good. And <clears throat> I thank God I've never lost sight of that, even when I was going through the bad. But if I know God is good, And even when I lost all the jobs and I sat in that parking lot, I knew that there had to be a way to overcome. So that's with any obstacle that we have in our life, right? Because God makes a way where there is no way. And so if I believed that and I knew that God could do that, I knew that he would help me if I plugged into him. But up until that point, I've been trying to do it by myself. And so I believe that that was the biggest change factor, if you want to call it that, to help me start into a new pathway to where I could overcome. And that's with any problem in life, I believe, is when we stop trying to solve it by ourselves and we invite God into the equation because He is truly the overcomer. It says we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And so the minute I invited him in, and by the way, the only thing he told me that day in that parking lot, When I lost all those jobs, I said, Lord, you're the biggest liar that ever lived, or you're going to help me overcome this. He said, I am, Missy. Just follow me. That's all he told me. I thought, just follow you. Just follow you. That's all you're going to tell me? Just follow you? But I trusted him enough to do it. I just trusted him. And then the path started unfolding. So faith is an act, and the action is in the doing. So it's also a trust factor there. You have to trust him when you agree to invite him into your equation. So that's what I did.
0: Now, how how did you know uh, that it was the Lord telling you, do this, go here, Uh, 40 jobs in 15 years? That's a lot. A lot of people might have bagged it up and just been living on the street. How did you Mm -hmm. know, okay, especially a lot of us, if you've been living 30, 40 more or more years, you've probably racked up a lot of mistakes. I know I have. You you just start okay. making you make mistakes. So you, how do I know I'm going the right way? What advice would okay. you, you say having faith to follow? How do you know this is the way I should go?
1: Okay, the first thing I'm going to tell you is this, is that the Lord says, My sheep know my voice, and they only follow after me. They will not follow another. That's the first way. The second way is to test the spirit based on First John four three. When I when I get a thought in my mind, when I have people walk up to me and they say, "Hey, Missy, God told me to tell you this." Oh, okay, <laughs> okay, because usually <laughs> God said, "If you listen to the prophets, you'll be blessed," right? So if that's the case, then if people are hearing through the prophetic giftings or through they're listening to the, you know to the Lord, and we're trying to discern if it's really the Lord, then He's usually going to tell the person first. He'll tell you. If he wants you to go a certain direction, or he'll tell me, whoever he's speaking to, he'll tell us first. And then he's going to send in somebody else behind us to confirm it. He sends in the signs, wonders, and the miracles to confirm it. So if I'm testing the spirit, saying, spirit that just said that to me through that person, do you believe Jesus Christ came in the form of a man, died on a cross, rose from the dead in three days, and that Jesus Christ is God, and I get an immediate yes, it's the Lord because he's a gentleman. If I get a pause or no answer, it's the enemy. So I'll, I'll buy bind the, the enemy voice, and I'll ask the Lord again, Lord, was that you? I'll get a yes or no, because he's a gentleman. He'll tell me. So then I'll say, Lord, shut that door and guide me in the way I should walk. If you're not sure still, Lord, this is what I tell all, even my prayer team to do, um, to pray. Um, the Lord has blessed me in the head of a prayer team, and, and I always try to teach our prayer team members this, is that if you're still questioning it, ask the Lord to Ordain your footsteps. God says the footsteps of a righteous man or woman are ordered by the Lord. So if you're still not sure, after that, ask him to order your footsteps. And then if you're still not sure, if it's got to go to point three. What's the last thing God told you to do that you know that you know God told you to do? And then you go back to doing that, and you stay there until you know that you know that you've heard from God to take your very next step forward. That's my advice on that mm-hmm.
0: Yes, and I've heard that advice before, the the last one you gave. Somebody was um, asking a minister that, and the minister said, what's the last thing you were told to do? Did you do it? Ask Mm -hmm. the Lord if he still wants you to do it. If so, then you need to complete that step first, and then you'll probably get uh, instructions on the next step. Now, we're talking about school with ADHD. Can you share a few skills or resources that either teachers, parents, or students and, and then I'm looking at right now at the college level can go to to help them manage school and, and, and adulthood and life in general. Any tips you can share, but specifically around college?
1: Oh, that's, that's fun. I just actually was talking to some college kids last night. Um, college is stressful for anybody. I don't care how old you are, it's stressful. And especially if you're an adult and you're working while going to school, that's an additional stress. And then if you have a family, that's even a triple whammy. So my advice for people that are trying to go back and get their education is that you're obviously going to need to stay organized because that that eliminates as much stress as you can. So for kids coming into school or people that are just new coming back to school, I would get apps. I tell them to get apps on their phone, reminders. Make yourself log your reminders into your phone to where you have your phone remind you, hey, you have a deadline coming up. Make sure to do that. Or, hey, if you have to take your medicine for ADD, ADHD, set a reminder. It's in your phone. It will remind you. So that eliminates details because we don't do well with details. We're pretty much, I like to think that there are visionary people, there are detailed people, but um, for most of us when you're younger, struggling with ADD, ADHD, we don't do well with details and we get overwhelmed. So that will eliminate that stress that's outside of the classroom. Um, The other factor outside of the classroom is to structure your time. Make sure you have a set time that you're going to study and stick to that time. Set it in your calendar. Say, this is my time of study every day. You know your schedule by now, hopefully, and you can organize your time frames to when you need to study and stick to that. Um, Do you have people around you that can possibly tutor you? Some people have gifts that you don't have. So utilize those. To try to make those connections in the classroom to where you can have study time possibly with even friends or peers that may approach information a different way than you do. That way you're getting all four learning styles, hands-on, repetition, visual, um, audio learning at the same time, and that you're having somebody approach that information to teach you maybe in the way that you don't have from your instructor. In classroom. I would suggest that people. I, people may think I'm crazy, but it works for me. Um, I the brain, the ADD ADHD brain, learns in compartmentalized. It's it learns in components, basically. And so, instead of a teacher giving me 20 pages of notes to memorize, um, say I'm, I'm dealing with the 1776 Revolution, and there may be five different topics underneath that. Um, if I take that topic and the five different topics, and I color highlight each component under the 70, 1776 revolution, my brain can memorize five blocks of information easier than 20 pages. That's just how our brains work because it doesn't seem so overwhelming. So I could think, oh, I've got point. Uh, the pink part deals with, you know, well, they started in Plymouth and they started fighting the 1776 revolution or, you know, whatever it deals with. And so, My brain will automatically revert back to that when I'm taking a test. What's in the pink part? What's in the blue part? What's in the green part? So it's a lot easier for me to revert back into information gather, if you will. Um, The the cut post-its that I suggest people to buy, buy color post-its on your notes. If you need things to stand out, your brain will see when you pick up a wad of papers for notes and these things are highlighted. Oh, I need to pay attention to this, this, or this. Use color highlighters. These are all coping tools. They're great coping tools. You can use them at work. You can use them at school. So they're they're timeless. You can take them anywhere with you. That's what I'm trying to say.
0: You know, I thank you for what you you shared. You <laughs> and I actually work with somebody who has uh, ADD. AD, I think it's ADD, but it's it. What you share, you know, it's we often think we're all, all alike, but some people again mm-hmm. we all we all are dealing with something. It's just. Some of the things are just like diet and getting out, maybe taking a walk or exercising and those tips you shared, I'm not saying it'll solve at it all, but it's it's helpful. Uh they're just little helpful things that you can do. Why do you think, Missy, that we just we avoid discussing brain and mental health conditions? We don't we don't like to talk about it. But we'll freely talk about a physical illness. Oh, I sprained my arm or uh, twisted my ankle or I mean something physical we will talk about and <laughs> we'll even show people here see well, this is why I got that bruise or I had these stitches over here and we'll show mm-hmm. people but when it comes to the brain or mental health we go like radio silent and we hide
1: <laughs> you, you know why it's because our society doesn't talk about anything anymore we haven't for a long time matter of fact it's amazing we don't do it in our families anymore we don't we don't do it. I'm not going I'm not to try to label everybody because some families are obviously different than others. But um, some subjects are just taboo. And our society, believe it or not to me, used to be worse 50 years ago. We didn't talk about anything. We've actually progressed to some degree. But when it comes to mental illness, I believe that nobody likes to be told that there's something wrong with it. Nobody. So when you're labeled something, and that's another issue too, nobody likes to be labeled. So don't label me that. That's not right. Don't don't call me that kind of a thing. And um so we have to really kind of educate people and saying, you know what? We're all going through something, just like you said. Everybody's going through. We're evolving, hopefully becoming the best us possible. So while you're going through, we we just you know, we're gonna to try to identify what's ailing you so that we can help you overcome. That's the bottom line to the conversation. We're gonna overcome, right? And there so you that's 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 my suggestion. I believe that that's what it is, and it's just notifying people that you know, just because I'm going through, you know, my life is an open open book, and I don't want to sound cliche by saying this, but everybody's life should be an open book, and so it's like, just because you've got one bad chapter, doesn't mean the whole book's going to read like that. It's just a season,
0: mm. and that's something to okay. remember, and and not mm-hmm. it, it doesn't it's not who you are. You're going through something that you're not the illness, you're just going through something. Now, you have 40 okay. jobs in 15 years. Where I, I, When I was researching for your interview, I said, oh, my gosh, the numbers of people who I have heard, something happened, maybe mm-hmm. they got divorced or mm-hmm. they lost—they had a hard time getting employed through a recession or whatever, they just dropped out. They just quit looking altogether. Yeah. They just said, I'm out. Uh, they tapped out And they maybe live in somebody's basement Or they're in shelters Where did you get the courage To keep To keep looking for And landing jobs And to keep going for it What did you do To discipline to say I'm just going to keep going
1: Well you know funny enough You know talk about God being In the equation with you Because of what I was struggling with and because I needed a job and and because I couldn't afford not to have a job, I stayed in the temporary job field for a while. And that wasn't the reason that they ended. They ended because I, I would try to get permanent jobs and they would dismiss. And so I stayed in the temporary job field to have something coming in while I was looking for permanent jobs. And so in between I'd keep trying and keep trying, trying to figure out what I was going through. And it was always the same thing. It was because of the way that I learned. I wasn't learning as fast or I didn't, the things the way that they wanted me to, and everybody seemed to have this mcdonald's drive through mentality of wanting everything yesterday, and I couldn't perform at that level, so I was either dealing with unrealistic expectations or you know just if you want to call it what it is I you know discriminative attitudes and people thinking well you don't you don't do it like I do, and so it's like, okay, you know Lord, what's the happy medium here and so that that was my kind of go to then, <laughs> if you will. That was my solution to that issue, and um, I knew that that would end because I knew that was God. God was providing for me in the way that he had, you know, thought was beneficial to me then, and so that was it. That was
0: it. Well, uh, I, I, I'm going to tell you, that is really amazing. I, I I really applaud you for that. Now, what what would employers benefit from knowing about the ADHD brain? What is something that employers would help them because when it comes to work, everybody's got, you, you, they lay it out the training, they lay it out the same way, and you better you better get it the way they lay it out. What, what what? any advice or something that would benefit employers in knowing about the ADHD brain?
1: Oh, you bet. And this is, I'm glad you brought that up, actually, because my last job that I had, I had a really, really cool boss, and, um, I ended up having to tell her I had ADHD because she noticed the way that I did things was just, she thought it was cockeyed, but it worked for me. And it ended up being an asset to her because we're out of the box thinkers. ADD ADHD, people are brilliant. At, and I'm not trying to shoot our own horn, but they usually we usually have very, very high IQs and that people don't know that. And so we're out of the box thinkers because we're visionary. And if people will let us do how we do what we do, will become a blessing to them. And let me tell you how that happened in my workplace. Because of the way my brain works, my brain can see the fastest way to get from point A to point Z in the least amount of time, the least amount of effort, with the least amount of money. So I would look at a spreadsheet full of numbers, and I could immediately zone in. My brain would hone in on where the excess money was being spent, where it didn't need to be spent. So I ended up saving my employer over $10,000 in eight and a half years that I was there. I won an employer of the quarter five times in three years because of that gift. And I upgraded. I found ways to upgrade our office with new appliances, new things without costing a dime. Well, not what cost us some, but not a whole lot. So I found ways to save my employer money, and and they loved it. They absolutely loved it. And so I just, it was like a streamlining tool, if you will. And so Mm. that's one thing I would tell employers, let us be who we are and quit trying to psychoanalyze us and trying to, you know, pick us apart because we don't do things like you. Let us be us. That would be my first thing.
0: Wow. And you gave, example, you gave an example of how, you know, the difference in how somebody's brain works, somebody could see something or help you with something that you would never, ever, ever see. You would never, ever, ever see. Now, in in your book, Memoirs of an ADHD Mind, you write that you hate change. And that chapter is titled, My 20s, I Hate Change, The Chaos in My Life. Do you still hate change? And what is it? They say most humans do. They say most of us just back away from it. What is it about change that presented challenges or that presents challenges to you?
1: I think the younger the brain is, the most – I'm so sorry – I think the younger the brain is, I think it struggles with change because it's struggling so it's struggling so already it's trying to make its way through um, learning, and so I think that's the hardest thing, no matter what age you are, so that we can actually continue forward and accelerate. Um, as we get older once we, we start to um, accept the condition, we've learned to overcome the condition, I think that's really where we kind of calm down a little bit to where we can actually um, start to evolve a little bit more and help uh, or to continue forward and, and not be so intimidated by change. But I think it's all dependent upon, um, you know, where you're at, where you're at in your walk and, and what,
0: you know, what age you are and how well as to how well you adapt to that. Now, please share, Missy. you shared so many great nuggets and tips, and I want to thank you again for our listeners. We are speaking with Missy Hood, and she's her website is missyhood.com, M-I-S-S-Y-H-O-O-D.com. She is the author of the book Memoirs of an ADHD Mind, and she already tipped us off that she's working on her second book. But, Missy, could you please share... Uh, what it might be like being in a relationship with someone, dating somebody, being married to somebody mm-hmm. with ADHD, and ask this as a way to potentially help spouses uh, and adults dating somebody with ADHD. And do do people mm-hmm. generally tell if they have it, or is it something you uh, somebody dating would just figure out on their own?
1: You know, I really, really, ADHD people were quirky people. Um, I, I really, really believe that we need people that are kind of gentle, gentle giants in a sense where they have a, a great deal of patience with us and they know uh, or they have discernment so they know how we deal with things. Um, relationships can be really, really tricky because some people don't always have that type of patience in this day and time, and so if that's the case, then we might not fare so well in relationships. My my prayer is that people would be a little bit more patient and loving. Um, so we do need a lot of love and a lot of patience around us. Um, I was blessed to have had parents who, you know, they celebrated me. They didn't just tolerate me. That's another key in relating with people in romantically or friendship-wise. You want to be celebrated. You don't want people that just tolerate you and just want to pick you apart and things like that. And so, because it's hard enough with the condition and trying to, you know, overcome it and in and, and learning how to deal with it, um, you know, by itself without having to deal with all the other factors of relating. And so my advice, be really picky about your friends. You know, if, if someone's trying to change you, and that's for anybody without ADD, ADHD. If someone's trying to change you, they're not celebrating you. They're just tolerating you. And so pick people that have good fruit, peace, love, joy, patience, kindness, that they know the warm, unconditional love of Christ. They're not just operating in cold love or their version of who they think God is. They're operating with the love of Jesus. They're operating in the spirit for real. And that's the one universal language that any human being on the planet knows is the true love of, they know true love when they see it, the warm, unconditional yeah. love. They know my sheep know my voice and they only follow after me. That's what I would leave your your listeners with.
0: Okay, patience and it's the same thing generally that uh, any any relationship would need. And we like you say we all working our way through something, so we have to have patience. But it can be challenging in today's busy, hectic times to mm-hmm. be patient. It can be even to be patient with ourselves. Now, you also offer, like, teaching and counseling service. What's included in your teaching and counseling services?
1: Um, I do life coaching and deep inner healing. Um, I basically sit down with clients, and I talk with them about their dreams and their goals. We talk about their weaknesses. And it goes back to the the Bible where it says if you listen to a prophet, you get a prophet's reward. But I, I primarily focus. We work with the prophetic gifting. I don't know if you believe in that or if you what you what you understand about that and, and dealing with that in, in your belief or in your faith, but um, I really, really believe in that because I, I know that God guides us and where he guides, he provides. And so what I focus on is trying to help people overcome. And, and what are the obstacles in your mind? What are the obstacles in your heart that are hindering you from believing that God can do it for you or with you? Because what's going to happen then at that point, is the client rolls up their sleeves and they jump in the process with God, either through prayer or decreeing a thing or working on tough issues that they normally wouldn't have had the courage to face in the past. And that's what we help them to overcome.
0: Ah, now, are your services offered online and, and offline? Do you meet with clients offline? Or, and, and if you do it online, can you give us an example of what a session with you would look like?
1: I only work online. We meet through uh, either Google Hangouts or uh, one of my conference call services. And a session, basically, I start a person out and I give them a questionnaire and they tell me a little bit about their life. And we start working through, uh, it's based on Deuteronomy 27 and 28, I'm working people through generational cursings, finding out things and patterns in their bloodline, first of all. Because chances are, if you're struggling with something that, your chances are you're not the only person that's been struggling with it in your family. If you think about it, you can think back and look at the patterns in your family, whether they be health issues, mental health issues, addictions, compulsions, divorce, adultery, uh, poverty, you name it. And, and, and if you look at the patterns, because cursings can go up to a 1,000 generations, Deuteronomy 27 and 27, Excuse me, Deuteronomy 27 and 28 said that a curse can't land without a cause. So cursings can go up to a thousand generations. And so we're living in a season right now with the Lord, and I'm still going to stay on task with your question, is that he's cleaning up the body. He starts at his house first, okay? So he's cleaning up our bloodlines because he's no respecter of persons. What he does for one, he does for all. So when we get ourselves cleaned up, when we start going into these, when I bring clients into these sessions, It's a cleaning session, and so we're getting them honest with themselves and with God about what's going on in their own hearts, what they've struggled with, what the obstacles are. And then we start taking them through deep inner healing um, and renouncing different things. And then I start teaching them about smart goals. Smart goals. What is a smart goal? You, You write out the word smart. It's being, God says if you have a vision, write it out. Okay? So you write out what your dream is. And, and then you ask yourself, with, you're, you're working through the letters of SMART. Is, is the goal manageable? Is it attainable at this time? S-M-A, is it attainable? Can you do it right here, right now? Um, is it relevant to your core values? And by what time, at the end of the word, it's S-M-A-R-T, what 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 age do you want to have the goal accomplished by? That's called a SMART goal. So that you don't set unrealistic expectations for yourself. That's the way I, I teach my clients to do And 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 it's amazing because a a lot of my clients um, have come on and they've been struggling and going to church trying to overcome different things for 30 years. And within like two to three to four months, they're over it and their whole life's been a degree turnaround because of renouncing the generational cursings and getting the blockages out of the way and then working on the hurts that have occurred in their own life right here, right now, within their own, uh, however old they are, the 30 years that they've been alive or however old they are. So they can, Accelerate into the new That's part of the overcoming process But that's oh, what I handle okay.
0: And those services are offered Through your website missyhood.com
1: um, No ma'am Actually they can contact me At mind At gmail.com And they can talk to my EA Her name is Bridget
0: DeZedario
1: We can get them set up there
0: Okay okay now, can you share? We only we have less than five minutes left in today's show. Can mm-hmm. you share three to four steps that you take that you've taken that you have found to be effective at getting the word out about your books? Because we have a lot of people who listen to Off the Shelf who are writers as well. But some mm-hmm. effective steps that you've taken to to spread the word about Memoirs mm-hmm. of an ADHD Mind. Well, when I started,
1: I started contacting colleges and universities and sending my free e-books to their bookstores to let them read it and get the word out. I've also contacted um, different IDD, ADHD groups uh, that may have students that are really, really struggling. Um, I've contacted elementary schools and things and uh, to find out, you know, if they have students with learning disabilities that are struggling there um, because I believe that, you know, we're all trying to grow somewhere. We're all trying to go somewhere. And so I just want to help them accelerate. Um, But that's my first thing. I'm also in Barnes & Noble. Um, Gosh, I'm everywhere, actually. But those are the predominant ones. I'm in indie bookstores and things like that. That's where you can purchase my books.
0: Appreciate the work that you've you've done and what you've shared in your book, you know, different things Mm -hmm. instead of hiding that you can hopefully help and benefit uh, others. Now, where, where are some, you said where you've, Some of your books are, can you share some places online where off-the-shelf listeners can get a copy of your book, Memoirs of an ADHD Mm -hmm. Mind by Missy Hood? You bet. If you go to Amazon.com,
1: I'm on Amazon.com. You can purchase it there. You can also purchase it at MissyHood.com if you go to my website there. Um, And on any indie bookseller, just type it in, Google it, and it'll pull up. But predominantly on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Yes,
0: ma'am. Okay. Do you have any other speaking engagements? Can you give us share some uh, dates and times for like one or two other upcoming speaking events that you have?
1: You bet. I'm going to actually be going to some book conferences. I'll be in Galveston in October, and I'll also be at the Texas Book Festival uh, October the 26th. I'm here in Austin, Texas. It's one of the biggest book festivals around. And so I'm going to be, it's gearing up right now. I've just been kind of doing them here and there this last summer. But the fall, seemingly, I guess because school started, they're really gearing up. But that's where I'll be coming up in the next couple months.
0: And last question, Missy. If you're on any social networks, can you tell off the shelf listeners which social media networks they can find you at online?
1: You bet. You can find me on LinkedIn, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Facebook. Um, and on Instagram.
0: Okay, so they just look for Missy Hood, and and online it's missyhood.com, you guys, M-I-S-S-Y-H-O-O-D.com. We have been delighted and honored to have with us this morning the one and only Missy Hood, and she's the author of the book Memoirs of an ADHD Mind. She shared some of the events she's going to be at in Texas, some book Events uh this this autumn, and again encourage you to visit her and get a copy of her book. Uh, she's online again at m i s s y h o o d dot com, Missy Hood dot com. And I just want to leave this thought with you again from George Herbert: Do not wait; the time will never be just right. Start where you stand and work with whatever tools you may have at your command, and better tools will be found as you go along. It, it kind of mirrors what. Missy said, "You know, do the last thing you know uh, the creator told you to do, and then the next step will be revealed." So unfortunately, we not a We don't can't do any leapfrogging. So we want to thank Missy Hood for being here with us this morning. Please, mm-hmm. if you came in midway or at the end after the show finishes streaming, you can go back and listen to it. It's in, in its entirety in the archives. And if you if you know of someone. Who might benefit from hearing this show somebody who really might be struggling and i mean struggling where it's painful for them every day and to hear somebody else who's gone through this and overcome uh and dealing with it please share the show with them not not to promote the show but to if it can help that person you might just say here "This something i listened to this weekend and you might enjoy this and let it let it go. However, it goes. But I want to thank Missy Hood for being here with us this morning, and thank all of you, especially our loyal Off the Shelf listeners who've been with us for 14 years now. Remember, set on your calendar Saturday mornings 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or New York City time. That you gonna catch Off the Shelf Books Talk Radio Saturday mornings at 11 a.m. And remember, you are awesome. You are incredible. You are amazing. Go out and create a fabulous day for yourself. See you back here next Saturday, 11 o'clock. Missy, I'll shoot you an email. Bye for now. You bet. Thank you. Bye-bye.
1: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry?
0: Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh?
1: Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino.